those are a few stories as Live Oak celebrates 25 years of how people have said, this is how God has used Live Oak, this church, to impact my life. And it's about what God has done, not about what the church has done. Um, but God uses his people. And one of the first people that God kind of did something in their life uh, happened more than 25 years ago before Live Oak started, um, that there was a whisper in the ear of Chuck uh, and Ann Williams where God said, I want you to step out by faith and plant a church. And uh, they did. They said yes. And so about 25 years ago, uh, that Lubbock Avalanche Journal newspaper printed an article. Now, newspapers actually, some of you might know this, they actually do that, still do that. They actually print an article, and there it is, and October 16th, 1993, Chuck is there on the left. Doug Garrett was, with the guitar was playing keyboard today. Still plays in the band. And that was announcing first services held uh, on the next day, on October 17th, 1993. There's a picture of Chuck and Ann Williams standing in front of Rockridge Plaza, which is now Joanne Fabrics. Uh, we were there for several months and then moved out. But Chuck and Ann were the first people that God started working in their life and saying, I want to do something in your life that will impact others. And so if your life has ever been impacted by God working through this church, um, you have to kind of trace it back and to say it started with one person being willing to say, yes, I'll step out by faith. I'll encounter some obstacles and barriers, but I'll do what it takes to connect as many as possible uh, to make more and stronger followers of Jesus Christ. Well, Chuck and Ann are here today. And if you would, would you join me in just saying thank you and, and kind of uh, recognizing them? Would you guys stand up? I am pretty grateful because I was part of the core group that planted Live Oak, but I was a 60-year college student. That, uh, that's a thing. And, uh, I mean, I had nothing to lose. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful, Chuck, and, and, and your, your impact, really, they get to experience, like, everything that happens at Live Oak um, today. I mean, it all goes back to what God said I wanted to do, and they were willing to step up and be those people to be used. And you just never know what's going to happen when you say yes to God. And uh, a lot of, one of the quotes that always stuck with me about Chuck, one thing you know about him if you meet him is, is incredibly, uh, incredible humility. Um, and one of the things he said is, part of our role in life is to plant shade trees that we'll never sit under. And so a lot of us are sitting under shade trees, sometimes literally, if you actually walk outside, that uh, were planted then that we're getting to see now, even though Chuck and Ann are, have their new ministry of being grandparents, I guess it's not new anymore, uh, to Charlie, uh, their grandson in Plano. So anyway, Chuck and Ann, thanks so much for, for all that you planted here that we're getting to experience. And Live Oak is what it is today, and it's gone through many seasons, but it is what it is today because God's worked in different seasons to accomplish his purposes. So we just finished a series called Seasons, asking the question for you personally, what season are you in? You're always in a season, and when you can name it, it helps you navigate it. So what season are you in? Well, the question we want to ask today is, what season is Live Oak in? Our mission has always been to make more and stronger followers of Jesus Christ. That does not change. No matter the season and the uniqueness of it, that is always our calling. And we're called to do that across the street, across the globe, and to the next generation to connect as many as possible to Christ and community, to connect as many as possible to God, God's word, God's people, and God's mission. Uh, and that's our mission. That's unchanging. And our model 
that sometimes models change, but our model really is pretty consistent this, this season as it has in previous seasons. And our model really it takes a, a playbook from some guys we read about in the Bible in Mark chapter 2. If you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 2. And there are these guys that the way they kind of handled a situation, impacted a life, moved the heart of Jesus, and amazed the crowd. And it's our model for ministry. And in Mark chapter 2, as we read this, what I want to ask you is, who do you want to be in this story? And who do you want to be in the story that God's writing, not at Live Oak, but in his kingdom? Whether it's at Live Oak or not, what's, what role do you want to play in the story God's writing in, in what he's doing in the world? Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. What a lot of people don't always believe about Jesus is he draws crowds. He did then, he still does. It's just people sometimes have an obstructed view of Jesus or a distorted view of him, and they're not understanding that Jesus was somebody that when people saw him or experienced him, it drew a crowd and they wanted to bring others with him. And that seems like a good thing, but that day it caused some problems because there were some people on the outside that you couldn't even get near the door to hear. And what's true for us and why this is a good model for us is there's always barriers to the mission of trying to make more and stronger followers of Jesus Christ. Connecting to people to Jesus is not easy. There's always barriers. There's always obstacles. And the current reality of the season we're in at Live Oak is we're in a season of growth. That's one of the things we would describe this season of Live Oak is that it's a season of growth. But sometimes growing brings growing pains and some growing realities we have to attend to. Overall, attendance at Live Oak in the last three years has grown by 90%. 18% last year, but over the three years total, 90%. In kids' ministry, it's been similar to that, that size growth. Student ministry in the last three years has more than tripled in size. And again, these are great problems to have but they do create some challenges, some barriers. As a matter of fact, if you met in a small group that met on-site at Live Oak on Wednesday nights, you probably got displaced because student ministry needed to use the facilities. What I would say is thank you for being willing to move out of the way for the next generation to take your small group off-site so students can connect in small groups here because isn't that a great problem to have? We have too many students that we had to use every square inch possible. So for those who are willing to be displaced, thank you. A season of growth in these pains, it brings some challenging challenges. There's some barriers. The friends in this story are our model for ministry. What they did, we know there was at least four of them. There could have been more because it said there were some men came bringing a paralyzed man and he's only carried by four of them. They each grab a corner of the map, but there could have been more. But this guy did not have a lot going for him. In that culture, it was very challenging. There were stigmas and stereotypes and even religious beliefs that really put this guy on the outside looking in. And that's one of the things that crowds do. Crowds can leave people on the outside looking in or people on the inside who get lost in the crowd. Either of those are unacceptable to us as a church when it comes to our mission. We don't want anybody on the outside left out and nobody on the inside that slips through the cracks that's unknown. And these friends were the solution of how to solve that problem. For us at Live Oak, a barrier, an obstacle is anything that gets in the way of somebody meaningfully connecting to Christ and community. 
Anything that gets in the way of somebody connecting meaningfully to Christ and community is a barrier. And for Team Live Oak, uh, that's a, team, a phrase we use. We want to be the friends of the paralytic that work together to connect as many as possible, creatively uh, get, getting around the challenges. The problem when we say Team Live Oak is what we're afraid is people will picture that Team Live Oak's opposition might be Team Hillside or Team Church on the Rock or Team Experience Life. Those are not op uh, uh, opponents. Those are teammates. They grab their corner of the mat and they have a unique calling and they do what they do and we do what they do. we do. And actually, I've talked to most of those pastors in the last several months because we're teammates. Hey, how are you doing this? How are you solving this? And how can I pray for you? And can, is there something I can learn from you? Like we're teammates. An opponent for us is anything that keeps people from meaningfully connecting to Christ and community. That's what Team Live Oak is up against. Well, this is how these guys handled it. Verse four, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and they lowered the mat the man was lying on. There's always barriers. And these barriers, they recognize we need to do something different. We can't just pick him up, walk in the door and set him down in front of Jesus. We have to do something different. And if you want different results, usually you have to have a different approach. Well, their approach was different. And the thing is, I love about this, I mean, it had to be kind of stop down whatever Jesus was teaching about. He's teaching. It had to stop it down, but it couldn't have been real quick. And as a communicator, I can, I can relate to this. Like, if there's ever a distraction, like, I'm easily distracted. Like, I can tell you right now who's moving in the room. Everyone just froze. Sorry. But, like, I get derailed real easy. And I know other people in the room were like that. So all of a sudden, and I picture it like a cartoon, like someone with a saw on the roof going, you know, like, like digging a hole like that. And people are like, okay, I'm going to fight through it and keep paying attention. No, I'm listening. And then like, right, like we're just going to ignore this. Like what's happening? Like do people stop and silently look? It doesn't tell us. And Jesus knew it was coming. Like even in later, it tells you in the story that it tips his hand. Like he's all knowing. He knew these guys were about to show up and I bet it was hard for him to concentrate because he was so excited for this interaction. But as it's going on, these friends cut a hole in the roof and they lower him down. They creatively found a solution to the problem, to the barrier. And then what happens next? Theologically, I don't fully understand it, but it says what it says. They lower him down and it says this in verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, first of all, the friends had to say, thank you? Like, he is called the paralyzed man. Like, this isn't really what we thought was going to happen, but thank you? I think they were expecting something different. But what's really different here is Jesus didn't say when he saw his faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I love how he personalized it, son. In Luke, it's used the word friend. Like, there's this idea of he affirms the value of the person on the mat. But he affirms the faith of the people looking through a hole in the roof. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the friend, your, sons are, your sins are forgiven. Like, I understand the theology of forgiveness. Like, it says, like, like it's, it's by what Christ has done. It's by grace, but it's by faith in what he's done. We never hear anything out of the mouth of the paralytic but it was the faith of the friends that moved the heart and hands of Jesus to get to work, to do something. Your faith matters more than you know, not to your life, but to lives all around you. It moved the heart of Jesus here. 
And they did whatever it took. They took action by faith, and it had this impact, and Jesus responds to it. Some other people responded as well. They kind of call him out and say, eh, I don't know about this. Not everybody in the crowd was favorable toward Jesus. Verse 6, it says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Again, Jesus kind of, he knows what's going on behind the scenes, in the hearts and in the heads of people even. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They weren't asking this question for information. They were making a statement by this question. We don't think he's God. God, only God can do that. They're also saying this. That's a cool party trick, but no one can prove it. No one can prove that his sins are forgiven. That's an abstract theological, spiritual thing. Like, how do we know it really happened? How do we know you are who you say you are? So Jesus responds this way. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know, I think he wants you to know as well, that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Because of that, he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 12, the man gets up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. The critics don't say anything at this point. How could they? And we see the response of the crowd, and maybe it included some of them. Maybe some of them said, this guy is who he says he is. But here's the response of the people. This amazed everyone. So maybe he changed some minds that day. It amazed everyone, but they, and they praised God. They, they responded with worship. This is amazing. They saw what happened here, and they said, this is a God thing. Saying, we've never seen anything like this. The thing is, it says everyone, but I bet there were at least four people who responded totally differently. I mean, it was the same response. They were amazed, and they praised God, but they praised on a whole different level because they were a part of something. They weren't a spectator. They didn't say, did you just see that? What they're saying is, were we just a part of this? He looked at us. He looked at our faith. And he forgave and healed our friend. I bet they left high-fiving and celebrating and rejoicing in a totally different way than everybody else. And wouldn't you rather be a participant than a spectator to something that God does? Like, I want to be a part of something where I could say, only God, God did this. All were amazed, but four were actually part of it. I want to be part of something that fuels my worship and amazes me. Not about what I've heard about God, but what I've experienced from him and what I've seen him do in the life of others. This is our model for ministry. And let me give you some takeaways that we say, this is who we are as a church. This is how we're gonna do our mission of making more and stronger followers of Jesus Christ. The first is this. We wanna be that kind of friend to others. From day one, Live Oak has existed for the other. Live Oak exists for others, for the outsider, the person who's not here, those not connected to Christ and community. And our focus, any. Your focus can always be drawn internal, but we work really hard to keep it going external. Who's on the outside looking in? And who's not connected in a meaningful way to Christ and community that's here that might be slipping through the cracks? We talk about this every year. 
And if you took notes last year, you could look back and the notes aren't that different this year than last year. And on our anniversary, we don't rent bouncy houses or go to Chuck E. Cheese for our birthday. We, we talk about this story because we want to remind ourselves, this is who we are. The best way to honor the, the, the mission God's given us as a church and honor the legacy of this church is to lean into the mission and say, I will do whatever it takes to connect as many as possible to Christ and community. I will be that kind of friend to others. And we keep talking about this story. We'll keep doing it until there's no one left on the outside looking in or until our time on earth is done. So the question I want to ask you is, what do you need to do, you personally, to grab your corner of the mat? Who is it that God's calling you to creatively take a step of faith to reach? The second thing is the idea that we need to find those kind of friends. And this is the the biggest lesson I've learned about community, this relational connection. Community is built, not found. I don't think these were benevolent strangers who picked up a guy and carried him. I think these were people that knew him. You don't want to wait till you're on the mat to find some friends to carry the mat. And at some point, most of us, if not all of us, find ourselves on the mat. I have. Some areas of my life, I feel like I'm on the mat right now. You need people in your life that can grab a corner of the mat by faith and say, we'll do whatever it takes. Everybody needs to be connected to somebody. That's how we say it at Live Oak. Find those kind of friends. So who are your four corner friends? Don't just find them. Invest in them. Build community. Some of you have been in a part of a small group. It's like, it just didn't click. That's because community isn't found. It's built. It's an investment. It takes time. And sometimes it doesn't work right away. But community is something you were designed to be connected to others. And it does take work. But it's worth it. Ask the guy on the mat. The third thing is we believe Live Oak, uh, we accomplish the mission as a team. Like I said, we call it Team Live Oak. That you can only grab one corner of the mat. One person can only do so much. But together, collectively, it exponentially has impact. Others are needed. That's why together and team is so important. Community isn't just important for what it does in you. It's what it does through your community to impact others. That it's a team aspect. And then, of course, there's the thing that always stands out to me in this story. It was their faith. It was the faith collective of the friends that moved Jesus to be, work in the life of their friend. Faith makes a difference. And your job is to grow a big faith in your life, and it has impact not just on you, but on the people outside. It moves the heart of God. There's a role for you to play by faith. So what is that? And your next step is always to a step of faith, to grow your faith so God can use your faith in the life of others. And then fifth, it's to grab your corner of the mat. All of us have a role to play. So what is it for you? What does it mean to move from spectator to participant, to be actively engaged in the mission of Live Oak? Because really that's what accomplishes the purposes of God. It's what accomplishes the mission of this church is together us all doing our part as the body of Christ to be his hands and feet to a world that's in desperate need. So for this season that Live Oak's in, what's our hole in the roof? And what are our barriers? Well, what is, is there will always be barriers to the mission, but they're always a promise of God that he made that we've counted on from the very beginning. When Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
We count on that promise from God and we see his track record to know it's been true for 25 years and I don't think he's gonna change. I don't think he'll keep, I don't think he will stop keeping that promise. But we have some barriers. We have some, some issues. And it involves a crowded room. We have a facility capacity. We experience it in here. We experience it with kids. And we've been here before at several times in our history as a church. But specifically about five or six years ago, we recognized we have some capacity issues. We, we knew that our foyer was very, very small, but relational connection is really, really important. That is one of the most strategic environments for us for accomplishing our mission of connecting people to Christ and community. But our foyer was, the hallways were no wider than this stage. We needed connecting space. We needed kids space. And then one year it rained on Easter. And we recognize not everybody drives a four by four and wears waiters to church. So we probably should do something about our parking. So we did an initiative called Thrive because we figured out what's keeping the mission from thriving and we needed kids space, car space, and connecting space. We raised half a million dollars over a year and a half above and beyond uh, the normal budget and general budget giving. We gave 10% of that that away to the Helgoras Project as well as some other local uh, missions in town. But in Kenya, we built teacher housing and a building that was used for educate a school and for a church. What I can tell you now, and you'll breathe a sigh of relief, we're not launching a giving initiative today. We're not starting a building program today. But the reality is at some point we may need to. We have 15 acres of undeveloped land but we're running out of seats in here and it's an even bigger pressing thing. We don't feel it as much in here, but we're running out of more space in our kids' area. I'm not asking you to give to the Thrive Initiative like I did five or six years ago, but I can tell you right now, every month I give to it, above and beyond my normal giving. You can go on the Live Oak app and under giving, you can do the scroll down menu, there's a thing called Thrive. And 10% of everything that's given there, and any time we do something like this, 10% will go to build the church out there on the other side of the world, across town. That's very important to us, to always keep that external focus. But what is a reality is probably in 2019, we'll have to add a third service, that we'll have to find a unique third service time to create more seats. When that happens, by faith, it will require something from most of you to do something differently. Attend at a different time, Serve in a different way. For worship arts, tech, it might mean serving longer. We don't know the details of that, but I would be surprised if in 2019, we didn't have to add a third service. Now, here's one thing we can do in the, in the meantime that will make a difference. When you go on a flight with Southwest Airlines, you don't make eye contact. You try to look big. You try to look like you're expecting somebody. You want that buffer seat. And you don't want the middle seat. I need you to flip that around. Your hole in the roof might be as simple as sitting in the middle, removing the buffer, even going the extra, extra mile of sitting in the middle, no buffer, and talking to the person next to you. You know one of the best things we hear about you guys from people that are guests? You're very welcoming. And we see it out there. Seeing it in here will allow us to make the most of every seat in this room. 
And by the way, there are still some good seats down front. Just saying. If it would help me to step back further, I could do that. I'll do whatever it takes. But facilities aren't our biggest concern. Our capacity of getting people in a room is not our biggest concern. It's our connecting capacity. Connecting people meaningfully to somebody. Everybody needs to be connected to somebody. Usually through groups. Sometimes it's through teams and serving. As a matter of fact, one of the things that shocked me years ago, I met with 50 people that were new to Live Oak. And I said, how did you, but they were connected. I said, how did you first best get connected at Live Oak? I expected small groups. And we have, I can't remember how many people are in small groups, 500 and 461 people are in small groups right now. What they said was, I felt first best connected by serving on a team, serving with somebody next to me. That was the best way. We believe serving is catalytic to your faith. We believe connected to a community is catalytic to your faith. And we need to connect more people to community and challenge everyone. If you're in community, it's built, not found. You need to build community and keep including and inviting others to be part of that, whether it be a small group or a serving team. In fact, serving capacity is our other big barrier. Right now, we have 510 people registered in Planning Center that serve. That's That's a good number. We're very excited about that because what we know is it helps us accomplish the mission, but we also believe serving can be catalytic to your faith. And as we grow, we need more people that are serving, more volunteers to serve others, more small group leaders, more coaches. And really one of the things we're seeing even beyond serving capacity, it's our leading capacity is probably the biggest barrier we're facing. It's not the number of volunteers who serve and do something but it's people who can lead somebody. And so a challenge we've given our staff that I would give every single one of you is we think everybody needs to be connected to somebody and everybody needs to be developing somebody. If you serve at Live Oak, we want you to ask the question, who's gonna be my apprentice? Who can I come have serve alongside me that I can teach them to do what I'm doing and we could double our capacity if everybody's serving at Live Oak, if everybody leaving, leading at Live Oak found somebody to kind of apprentice and do some on-the-job training with them, we would double our capacity. And people on the outside could find a place on the inside, not just in a service, but in community and on a serving team. And one of the things I want you to know about leadership at Live Oak is we believe, and we've believed this from the beginning, in the plurality of leadership. I'm not the leader of Live Oak. I am a leader at Live Oak. I even view myself as not the only senior pastor. I view Mark Porter, our connections pastor, as a co-senior pastor, and I have for, since I started. And he functions that way. But the thing is, for the th- first 300 years of the church, the title of senior pastor didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. There were people leading at all levels, and there was just this blurred line of who the leader was. Live Oak has had that plurality of leadership as part of our DNA and culture because that was the temperature that Chuck set as the founding senior pastor. I was included as a college student on the teaching team in planning, in decision-making, 
We're led by a team of elders as well as a board of directors that overlaps with that and our staff team overlaps with that. And we're trying to blur the lines between staff, paid staff, and non-paid staff. If you're a leader at Live Oak, what we think what you do matters. As a matter of fact, when you think about who the leader of Live Oak is, I hope you would think that they sit out here, not teach up here. I am a leader at Live Oak. But the best leaders at Live Oak are sitting out here. In fact, if something ever happened to me, I know Live Oak's in great hands because these are the leaders at Live Oak. I thought it happened today. I got here pretty early and I'm over there and it was kind of dark and I'm trying to get in the office and my key wouldn't work. I thought, so this is the day. We all knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. Here it is. You guys, so many of you are leading at Live Oak. You are the leadership of Live Oak. And we need you to find an apprentice. We need you to grow your leadership and lead because that will make a difference in who we are as a church. It'll make a difference in the lives of people not connected to Christ and community. There's one other thing, and it's a question I'm thinking about. It's a season of growth. It's also a season of questions. We're wrestling with this stuff. But this other capacity is something I'm thinking about. It's our sending capacity. I want us to be really good and faithful at sending you into your Monday morning mission field to make an impact wherever it is. You go to school, your family, your work, your sphere of influence. I want us to be really good about equipping and sending and resourcing and partnering with, not just with sponsorship, but relationship. People that are going across the street and across the globe into the next generation, that's important to me. And what does our influence and contribution to the kingdom of God look like beyond just thinking about our acreage? But in God building churches elsewhere, how do we partner to see more churches, more missionaries, and more people being part of the mission field? Here, I'm going to close with this, and I really mean I'm going to close with this. Sometimes pastors say that and don't believe them, but I really mean this. Rather than think about what is, you've got to define reality, but think about what could be. For you, for Live Oak, what will we do? That's the question. Who will you be in that story? And what I love and what I've been thinking about lately is these two verses in here. When Jesus saw their faith and then some stuff happened, they did something, and then this amazed everyone, and they praised God saying, We've never seen anything like this. Like, what is it that God's calling you to do to grab your corner of the mat that's before that statement when Jesus saw their faith? And then what might Jesus do to fill in that gap of how he would work at building his church and building his kingdom and changing lives? What I want you to know is your faith matters more than you think. And when you're by faith, grab your corner of the mat. When you by faith, grow a big faith. And I think you do that every time you pray every time you give financially, every time you give of your time and serve, every time you lead here, every time you develop someone, every time you invite someone, every time you express the love of God, every time you include someone, warmly welcome someone, every time you scoot to the center, leave no buffer, and meet someone, especially as an introvert. I believe God uses all of that. Live Oak will be our contribution to the kingdom of God will be written by what you do, what we do together. And we will go as far and as fast as, as fast and as far as we do to go together. And our choice is to do that by faith, together, creatively connecting as many as possible to Christ and community, to God, God's word, God's people, and God's mission. What I want you to prayerfully think about is what's your part in this? What does it look like for you by faith to grab your corner of the mat. 
Let's stand for closing prayer. Well, a lot's changed at Live Oak since day one, 25 years ago. And a lot has changed in the church, with a capital C, since day one, 2,000 years ago. We're about to do this series called Vintage, asking the question, not just for Live Oak, but even more importantly that, what is it that should never change about the church? Like, it'll never become outdated. What are the practices of the early church that we need to hang on to and never let go? And between now and Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about this These practices the early church did is the reason why we are believers today is because the early church ran their leg of the race by holding on to certain practices. What is it that we need to grab hold of and never let go of? So I encourage you to be here for that. It's also a great way to hear the heart of Live Oak and who we think God's called us to be as a church, uh, looking as our our, uh, example, the early church. Let's pray together. God, thanks that you've promised to build your church. And there are things I've experienced being part of Live Oak that I'm amazed, and you get all the credit. It draws my attention to you. It fuels my worship. It builds my faith. I pray it's done that for others. I know it has. And God, the next year, the next 25 years, the next however much time we have on this earth left, that Live Oak's here, we want to be faithful to the mission you've given us, to the unique DNA you've asked us to have as we contribute to you building your kingdom. God, always keep our heart for the other, for who's not here and who's not connected. The danger we face is when we're connected and when we're good, we forget the other. Keep us mindful that you are sitting on the inside of that room, excited for someone on the outside to, by faith, be creatively brought and connected to you. Help us to live that out each and every day in our corner of the world as we grab our corner of the mat. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. If you'd like to talk, I'll be down at the front. I was blind, now I'm seeing.